That was a brief moment of DJ Shub. You're listening to CFRU, 93.3 FM in Guelph. And here comes Android's Dungeon. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon, Joel Bryant missing in action. Okay. Presumed silly? Filling in for him, the lovely Kayla Campbell, a discussion about a couple games we've been playing recently and maybe a film we saw the other day. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada, North America. We're here on this Earth, spinning through the galaxy. I think the Earth is, I forget the number, I think the Earth actually travels remarkably fast. If you, the, the number is something like we're just hurtling through space at tremendous speeds, but... Um, I don't know the exact speed. You can look it up yourself and be astounded <laughs> at the fact that you're here. We're all going real quick, so maybe we should slow down. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. And this is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, music, movies, the speed of the earth as we hurtle through the great expanse. Um, you can catch us online as well uh, on Instagram. Kayla? Yes. Uh, Android's Dungeon now has Instagram. It's Android's Radio, CFRU. Some, Maybe something like that. If you search that in, on Instagram. Android's Dungeon CFRU, <laughs> Android's Dungeon CFRU, and you can also check us out on uh, certain podcast applications as well. Yeah, uh, iTunes, iTunes. That's an- on the iPhone. On the iPhone, you don't need an iPhone for iTunes. You could be sitting on a desktop, I guess. With uh, sorry, yeah, I guess so. If it's not an <laughs> iTunes, so it's like the podcast app for for iTunes for iPhones. I, who knows? Anyways. There's a podcast involved, yeah, and it's you, uploaded regularly, and it's cool. Also, you can just go Anchor FM. Yeah. You can also find this information on our Instagram. Yeah. So if you check any of this stuff, and supposedly we're on Twitter, <laughs> that gets updated infrequently, and you can send me an email if you're upset about something you've heard or something you're really happy about, but no one's ever happy about anything I say, so that's all right. Um, Android's Dungeon. Kayla, what have you been playing recently? So, Jack, we cracked open a game this weekend that we've been wanting to crack open for a while. And this one's special. It is special. Uh, it is Lisboa. 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 What is the theme of the game, Kill? Uh So, Lisboa is a city in Portugal, and there was a devastating earthquake? Correct. Sure. Uh, so, there was a devastating earthquake, and it basically destroyed and leveled the city. So, you've been tasked by the king to rebuild the city. And uh, you have to, you know, work with the prime minister and... The marquis. The marquis and the chief architect. Yeah. 
and uh, pay homage to the king, of course, and, <laughs> as one does. And yeah, so you're working to rebuild the city, but there are really strict rules in the new Lisboa because it's fresh and new, and why not make it all orderly? So you have to build certain types of cities <clears throat> all in a row. You can't have yeah, the gold buildings. stores next to bookstores because that makes no sense. It's silly. Why would you suggest such Yeah. Thing? It's obviously it's a gold road. So without diving too deep in the mechanics right away, um, what would you say the sur- your surface impression of it? What type of game is it? Uh, what type of game of it? Uh, that is a great question, Jack. I am not as uh, good at the uh, game type. It's like... Uh, it's a weird hybrid. I don't it's, even know don't if know. you there's, asked me that question. I'd say there's like you need resources. So, but it's not just resource management. It's it's, it's you need things to build other things, but it's not a purely economic game. You select your actions through these hand of cards that you've got, which is a great little mechanic because you really feel like you've got a lot of control over stuff because every time you play a card, you always have to draw one at the end of, at the end of your turn and you have a selection from a very uh, basic sort of market row, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. on the side there. And whatever card you choose has a picture of one of the three types of people you have to interact with. Uh, um, the, it's either the king or the marquee or the chief architect or the builder, whatever you want to describe them as. And going from there, you um, you can either take a top... It's, it's <laughs> As soon as I start saying it, it sounds like Gloomhaven, but you can basically choose to do... You can play the cards in action... Or you can decide to sort of go to the court with the card. If you play the cards in action, you get to do something different than playing the court as a card. And the whole time you're trying to balance the fact that you need a million different things to do a million different types of tasks, each one worth varying uh, victory points. So it's, it's a weird hybrid of a couple of systems, but... Um, ultimately, like, what is Board Game Geek? So that's what I was just looking up. Board Game uh, Geek says that it is a strategy game. Okay, I agree. <laughs> so far, so good. And so the type of strategy, the category is city building, economical, and political. Okay, political is kind of stretching it, but I guess you're, you're talking to politicians, so in the very broad, simple sense, it mm-hmm. is political. Uh, <clears throat> yes, and the mechanisms involved, again, Here according to Board Game Geek, area control slash area influence. Uh, all right, from Car- the cities or the right, buildings. Sure. Card drafting. Yep. Hand management. Yep. Tile placement. Okay. Not really that much tile placement, though. I mean, I maybe I get what they're saying, but not really. Um, something that I also, again, just looking, referencing Board Game Geek, um, that I knew this, but it's really cool, is that it's played on a real map of downtown, downtown Lisbon. Yeah, it's it's because uh, even in the notes for the the designer, and we we've jumped around a fair bit here, but it's it's a game that was started on Kickstarter by. Uh, Vital Lacerda, who's designed a bunch of other very good games. Um, Gallerist. The Gallerist, uh, which we own and unfortunately don't get to play very often. And um, he also started, I think his first game, or first big one was called Kanban, which is obviously a type of uh, process that the Japanese, um, I think, started for their automotive factories. And if you're in a development type job you may also use it like we do exactly jack doesn't know what it is i just see cars going by and i think well kanban was responsible for this in some way um and then there was also vinhos uh which was a game about making wine which is almost completely unknown by most people compared to the far more popular viticulture 
Um, but I think some of the price tag issues are what, what hits that because Vinhos, I think, is going to run you $89, $99 if you want to pick up the the deluxe edition, which I think is the only one you can find for the most part, versus Viticulture, which runs you about 50 um, or 60 bucks. So pretty significant difference. And also, Vinhos is a lot heavier. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at here without rambling too much of a towel is that his games are very dense. And I don't mean dense in the sense that they're, they're, you can't get into them. They're just so, super deep. I just mean they're dense in the sense they're extremely front-loaded. Yeah, that was interesting because we were going through the rules and it was taking a really long time. Not really a long, long time, but it was taking enough time that I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this game is going to be fairly complex. It's really not. No, it's very simple because you, you ultimately only have you play a card. Do you you <laughs> do you take it to the court or do you play the card for what its its actual value is? And the um, so in essence, the turns just fly by, especially mm-hmm. at two player because you're not, you're not waiting for tons of people. And I think the big issue with this, and it was interesting to see, it always hits me, but it was interesting to see a bit of AP hit Kayla in this game. Um, a bit of analysis paralysis, at least the beginning, because we're both sort of mm-hmm. like getting our sea legs and you don't want to screw yourself up too badly. But even as the game goes on, you still want to, you're still looking at the big picture and it can kind of drag on you a little mm-hmm. bit if you, you don't kind of hyper pinpoint yourself in a direction. And part of the issue is the game doesn't start you off as much with tons of direction. And mm-hmm. it's up to you to choose these cards at the bottom which I they're called decrees and it's basically it's basically your direction your your direction so you're going to score these points at the end of the game but it takes an action to get them so it's kind of interesting like you have to spend an action to get them and then spend more actions to try to get to them yeah they're definitely worth lots of points at the end Mm mm-hmm yeah, and like I think ultimately some of these actions came down to some of them were they were worth a bunch of points, but it adds up over time. None of them are game breaking in the mm-hmm. sense you look at it and you say, "Oh man, that really killed me on this." Maybe if you really went hard in a certain direction with a certain decree, but they're worth not that many points, and they, they usually ca- yeah. I think they cap it at five. So at the most you're getting is five per, which is kind of tricky, and those ones are a lot more difficult to do. It was the what was the one that was worth 15 points? It was the no, most advisors. Or the oh, mo- the most public buildings. So in addition to being able to build stores oh, buildings, yeah. that generate your resources, so things like books, cloth, gold, you can also build public buildings, which give the stores additional points because you're building up the area generally. So the more public buildings you've created, you get there's massive amount of points at the end, which I don't think either of us realize, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But knowing that now it's kind of a different may have put more not necessarily all the focus there, but maybe balanced it. There would have been more of a more. fight for it, I think. Yeah, but. I think like I had one I'd made one public building and you had made um I, I had a couple. A, a, like three. But the point is that it's it's this incredible mismatch of genres, and we. Mm-hmm. I, I, think I honestly found it was really quite hard to balance mm-hmm. the. You need influence to go visit the king or the marquis or the architect, mm-hmm. and influence is not exactly easy to come by. And that was what we were coming across. So in the game, one of the resources that you, the more abstract resources, is called influence, and. Um, you have to basically spend influence that is affected by a couple of things. You can have modifiers, which usually positively benefit your influence, like make things cheaper or whatnot. But in general, the more money that's in the treasury, the less influence you need, whereas the less money that's in the treasury, the more difficult it is to persuade the king and the architect and the marquis to actually do what you like for them. And the couple of actions that are restricted, at least for the first 
to first half of the game only to these these people. So if you burn through all your influence without managing it properly, it's very, very difficult to get more back, especially in a two-player game, because most of the times you're going to get influence is from the shipping game. It's this mini-game where you get money. And when you buy a boat, and this gets into sort of the... I'll talk a bit more about the board, the way it's laid out. But when you buy a boat, as soon as you purchase it and put it into your play area your boat basically generates a bunch of influence based on a couple of factors, but that's it. So aside from moving a clergy track around, which was ex- none of us touched the entire game mm-hmm. because we were just so starved for resources and time that we looked at the clergy track and we just said, no, we, <laughs> we can't even look at this because there's no, I don't think there's any benefit that as, as opposed to going somewhere else, which I don't know if it's two-player weakness or just a weakness about the clergy in general, but... I think two-player was actually difficult because we didn't see a lot of movement on the clergy track. We also didn't see much movement on the treasury track because we Mm. weren't really impacting that much. I do think that a two-player game is maybe not where Lisboa is going to shine. I'd be interested in trying it at a higher player count. Yeah, same. Um, So we've, we've talked about the mechanics a little bit and maybe some of our thoughts on it, but let's just talk about the design of the, the game itself because... Uh, if anyone has played any of uh, Lacerda's deluxe or kickstarted games lately, one thing you cannot say about the man is that he skimped out on components and production quality. Kayla, why don't you talk about the, the board and the, the player mat and everything? Yeah, so everything's pretty beautiful from the, the box right on down. Even when you open the box, it's really well organized. The organizer kind of comes out in pieces so that there's room underneath to put different things. Um, it comes with a really good player aid. It's it's incredible player it's, aid. It's not just like a card. It's a little booklet. Not like there's like it's one like a page. menu. It's if you went to a restaurant, somebody handed yeah, you this, you'd like say, "Oh, food chain, merci, basically, <laughs> or whatever thanks is in Portuguese." I don't know. Not merci. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's lovely, and it's you look at it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this giant player aid!" Because it's pretty big for a player aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually just because there's a lot of cards and. tiles that have numbers on them like Mm -hmm. all the decrees have numbers on them so it's actually really really useful because all the numbers with their description of what that decree or what the actual card does is in there and that's super valuable. Yeah, because half the time you look at this this card or tile, and it's got some may, maybe. WTF is this? Yeah, like more. When more you play the game, more you just like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't need. But when you're playing for the first time, to be able to just look in the bottom right and see a tiny number, mm-hmm. open up your play of, oh, okay, now I understand what it's, they're getting at. Yeah, and uh, so the player aid is is top notch. The player mat is also pretty good. It's not scythe level good, but there's all there is actually some cutouts to put your little people tokens, and uh, you gather rubble at some point, so they kind of like fit into little squares fairly nicely. And there's good space for where you that's you know you put your cards that you gather in it. Yeah. Before you go any further, I just want to talk about the card thing mm-hmm. a bit. So your player aid is shaped kind of like um, a very long letter H, long and flat. And there's gaps. You can in the... see it if you go to our Instagram. Yeah, go to our Instagram and check it out. That's a nice, very good kill. So you. if you look at it, there's gaps at the top and at the bottom. And what you're supposed to do is when you play a card, you, you're always putting it either into a top or a section of the board or onto your player map. And at the beginning of the game, you're restricted to two slots, um, or basically two cards. So they can be two on the top, two on the bottom, or split either way. As you collect these pieces of rubble, these sets of rubble, uh, what you're doing is you basically are building more infrastructure. And that was kind of going into the theme of the game, is that what they did 
um, after Lisboa, uh, you know, basically had a combination of, and if you, you should read about the 1531 Lisbon earthquake. Um, so after they got hit with this, I think it was like a 9.0 earthquake, something insane. You think, okay, that's awful. That's, that's pretty bad. Then a tsunami hits them right after as tsunamis are wont to do. And then there are fires. And the entire city was just looking like <laughs> it's looking a little rough. So the king comes down and says, "We got to do something about this." And they clean the place up and they use the rubble that was there, pre-existing rubble, to basically kind of reinforce the new buildings. And as part of that, like you said, and they were talking about this rubble, you pick up these cubes throughout the game, and they also are one of the more random aspects of it because you go into a bag, toss all these cubes, which are um, yellow, red, and blue. Shake them up, and you you seed all the places mm-hmm. around the city with them. And every time you build something in the city, you remove one of the cubes, and you have to pay extra money based on the amount of cubes around def- differing values. Rubble is the most expensive. Water is the uh, or fire is the easy uh, cheapest. And you put these on your board, and after you have a set of three of them, you open up another slot, and now you can put another card in your area if you want. Or and you're also scoring more points at the end of the game. So just a quick little interruption, but. The, the spots on the board, because the board is double thick in parts, it's indented so that you're not just putting these cubes flat on your player aids along with your um, your advisors. Everything is indented. Not like Hill said, as well as Scythe, but it's still there and it's still very, very nice. And there's, there's also general like what to do on your turn information um, delivered in picture format on your player aid as well. But sorry, Kel, please go on. By player aid, you mean player board. Player board, excuse me. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, so player aid's pretty cool. The board itself, uh, also, it's very... I I don't know exactly how to describe the art style that it's uh, making use of, but it's very detailed. It's very... seems very delicate and pretty, and it's very nice. Um, and all the tiles, too. Like, so, so here's the issue. Setting up the game for the first time, I think, took me an hour, um, probably because it was so tricky to kind of figure out where things were supposed to go, how you're supposed to seed things, and who was supposed to get what and where with, where things were supposed to be set up as well. Going, If I did it a second time, I still think it would take me about an hour, to be honest, because there's so much stuff you're putting on this board, so much stuff you're putting on the side. And all these cubes. I think I was still halfway through the game, maybe three-quarters of the way through the game when I'm looking at the board thinking I still forgot to put some things out, mostly with these damage cubes and whatnot, but still, it was stuff that I was still setting up, and which is gets to, it's a plus and a minus, because the game is so blinged out. There's so much chrome to this guy. I don't think it's unnecessary, but it can kind of get a little daunting, and it can kind of feel like you've just been, and it gets into the whole front-loading thing. It can kind of feel like you've opened up the door of a closet, one of those cartoon closets, and it's just... <laughs> you got, like, a badminton racket on your head and or roller skates on your feet or whatever. I don't know. Do you think it was daunting just for you, or do you think it would be daunting for, the like, the regular person? I'm going to go out on a limb, Kayla, and say that I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen some, some things, and I would definitely put it... As far as setup and the busyness of the board... Interesting. I didn't think the setup was that crazy. Like You I didn't think... do any of it. Well, that's rude. Uh, but hey, you passed out some player boards and you set up 
like some rubble cubes. <laughs> and then there was. I like don't a, think it's the game's fault that you forgot to do it ha- until halfway through. So the rubble cubes, yeah, it's my fault. But I mean, it gets into more of the board itself, where you're looking at it, and so it's all blue well, and yeah, it's all it's, white. The board is busy, but I don't think there's. It's functional. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay. It, it's there's. Well, I disagree. I don't think the average person opening those up should be scared. Oh no! Don't be scared. I we haven't even said if we love it or not. But don't be scared. It is, it is not something that you look at and you should. Your brain just melts. It's not like opening up. I imagine one of these uh, combat commander games with a bunch of uh, chits that have numbers and symbols that mean absolutely nothing. It's not even close to that. I, I'm just trying to say that when you open it up and you have. Uh, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say a dozen different tiles of different types that you're laying around the board just before the game gets set up, and then you're still interacting with. Um, it, it is a lot. But thankfully, like you stated earlier, the uh, uh, organizer is is great. A, a built-in organizer for the game just saves you so much time. It also helps you organize your... Uh, when your your setup takedown and the actual initial setup, which is what its entire job is. So, anyway, that <laughs> got off on something about the the board state. But well, let's get into what we thought about the actual game, though, Kel. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Is the last time we're talking about it. Well, no, we can keep talking about okay. it. Uh, sorry, I thought the game was good. I definitely was scared, like going into it, that it was a lot going on for a Saturday afternoon when I was not really feeling like learning a crazy complicated game but it was really good i liked it my biggest problem with the game is that there's no red yeah the colors are all slightly different yeah that made me sad purple uh orange yellow green yeah i think so like it's a weird kind of reddish orange yeah no it's definitely orange Hmm. no it's it's orange so number one complaint no red (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. What game doesn't have red and black? Those are like the two colors. No, it's apparently a big deal with a lot of people, but there are a lot of colorblind board gamers out there. And I I don't know anyone who's colorblind or nobody's ever oh, admitted it to so me. So like red presents a problem? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's colorblind friendly? Well, if anyone is out there designing a game and uh, you are concerned about colorblindness, maybe give us a shout out specifically me because i deal with color contrast issues at work and uh i can probably help you red is definitely should be in there maybe just put some symbol on it like i don't know a big check mark well a quick quick aside too while we're on the subject of uh of colorblind i know that uh, a game that's coming out shortly neil stevenson's rocket which is a um, a Rainier, Rainier Knizia game that's been out of print for a while, but they've uh, re they've kickstarted it and it's in production. It's on its way. Um, I think there was a delay as usual because one of the components wasn't quite up to snuff when they got their test of it. But the color scheme again for the players are very different. They're not usual. They're almost like this these softer Easter uh, color schemes, like something you see if, if you walked outside right now and you looked at the sunset. It'd be very similar to the the colors in Neil Stevenson's Rocket, but a lot of people were praising. They're getting a lot of, oh, thank you for the, the colorblind friendly components. I think they're a little, little soft as far as colors go, and maybe not as distinct. But if it makes people happy, <clears throat> sure. But like someone who's colorblind, I don't. It's not that's going to help them. The colors are soft. I, whoever it was, was saying oh. they were colorblind friendly. The, Sure. I'm assuming it was a colorblind person saying maybe they were just maybe they're just making outrageous claims about colorblind appropriate. They're they're things. blowing steam. Yeah. 
up, not up somewhere. <laughs> not steam the game. Um, all right. So that was uh, Lisboa, which was what, the... What did you think about it, Jack? I didn't ask. I liked it. I um, It was definitely something that took me a little bit to get into the swing of, where the first couple of rounds, I just feel like I'm floundering and kind of taking a while to make a decision. But definitely by the... I'd say halfway through, the turns are going really quickly, and you know exactly what you want to do. You know what you can't do because we're both influence uh, screwed for a lot of the the game. And then as soon as you switch over, a lot of as soon as you switch over into the next next set of cards, which are the brown cards, which represents time passing, you get a lot more cards that you allow you to use these abilities that normally required influence without needing the influence for it. So it opened up the game a lot more in a nice way. But I kind of like the way that it does that in the sense of it's this organic sort of um, gatekeeping and that at the beginning of the game, you can do these things. It's just going to cost you. It's going to be a little trickier. And then in the second half of the game, you can still do them, but now it's even easier and you have more options. And hopefully you've collected some rubble, so now you can play way more cards. And it just, it, it, it kind of just, um, <laughs> it just opens up in a lovely way for you to really play around with it. And the at the end of the day, I'm, I'm fairly happy with it, but one play is not enough to really get into, I think, really the what works and doesn't work for Lisboa. Fair. Yeah. Um, so Lisboa was the real, the, that's the big game we played recently. Now, I mentioned to Joel the other day, we've been playing a bit of uh, Morals, <laughs> which is an absolutely adorable game. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on morals and what you really think about it, because... Are you talking about you, like the listener? No, no. You, Kayla. Okay. Because the, the listener usually doesn't participate in too many conversations with us. We'd love you to. Please participate with us. <laughs> this isn't me begging, but it's me begging. It's definitely Jack begging. It's <laughs> pathetic. Um, morals. Game of Collecting Mushrooms in the Woods. We talked about it, I think, last week. Um, why do you like it? Uh... I like it because it's really adorable. The artwork on all of the mushrooms is really, really cute. And um, the idea of what you're doing, you're going out into the woods and you're collecting like mushrooms to fry up in a pan. And sometimes you have butter and that just makes it extra tasty. And sometimes you wash it down with cider and that makes it extra tasty. And when I say extra tasty, it means extra points. And it's just, it's really cute. It's very simple. I think you could play with anyone. It's a really good two-player game, and I'm always on the lookout for... It's only for... a two-player game, yeah. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. It's like a, it's a good yeah, yeah. two-player game. Uh, and it's, I'm always on the lookout for good two-player games. And there, yeah, there's just, it's really cute. It's well done. It's simple. It's fast. It's a good game that you can just, if you're looking for something to play on a weeknight or you only have a couple minutes, it's good. It would travel well. There's really not much to it. Oh, yeah, you could Take break it, it down easy. Yeah. It would be easy to go places. So it's a good game. It's uh, definitely one of these games that, what a bizarre theme of collecting mushrooms. I mean, it appeals. It appeals. It's tough to play the game and not... All I think of when I'm playing the game now is Phantom Thread. That's all I can think of uh, when... Especially when you see those... Because um, there's the bad mushroom that shows yes. up. And that's all I think. Poisoned Angel? Uh, is that what it is? Dark Angel? Dark, Death Angel? I think it's something, something very grim. Something very grim. Yes, it is very Phantom Thready. 
except you're not well I, I'm not going to get into spoilers it's a good movie um, but it does break down quite nicely mm-hmm. all the things you talked about but it's a game again that you could have themed it as something else and I think it would have been less interesting but grabbing something bizarre to me as sort of scavenging for mushrooms and slap, putting a game onto it is was a good choice and on that note we're going to take a quick break we'll be back stay tuned
is the, the um, it seems like it's been better. I, I dug in here. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was uh, the few Phantom Power. Muset and Drums like from the Cocteau the, Twins, only 1983's the, album the Head Over Heels. A very gothy track, very gothy indeed. Something about that song, just especially at the end, it's it's a very haunting, and it doesn't fall too deep into the whole sort of, uh, a lot of Kako Twins tracks, in my mind, kind of sound very similar, but this one's got a nice, very Curie-type uh, pace to it, especially at the end when you're seeing this, or when you're seeing, when you're hearing just the, the drums go... <laughs> going crazy there at the end. I just wish like, they could like see your face and actions when you did that. Mm-hmm. Just the, there's, they're going a little crazy, and the the guitar is shredding, and the guys just it, it picks up, and it's the end of the album too, so it ends quite nicely. Cocteau Twins, good band. Um, I don't know if I can endorse their entire catalog, but they're, they're all right. Especially that song. Great choices. Yeah. So. Uh, before we go any further, I forgot to mention Joel, who uh, may have been captured by um, insurgents and is being held ransom, but we're not paying. that's what's going on? We're not paying for him. <laughs> Send him in pieces. I don't care. He's uh, <laughs> Well, we're not paying for him. His wife might want to pay for him. Questionable? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but he sent me a link because before uh, he... Uh, disappeared indefinitely. Uh, Joel, always on top of, always on the ball, sent me um, a very unfortunate tale. And it comes from BoardGamePrices.com, which I'm going to give them a bit of a shout-out. If um, you're ever looking to at least compare, compare contrast prices, and also see how badly we get screwed in Canada compared to the U.S., give BoardGamePrices.com a, a, a check and type in something, and you can see it does a quick little search and kind of pulls up... Um, what all these major websites are are selling for these games. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. Usually they're pretty good. Uh, but the bottom line is it's also a website with news and contests and whatnot. It's a good site. Um, but with the headline, Borders Tabletop Game Studio Defrauds Thousands in Kickstarter Scandal. Now you may be thinking, Kickstarter Scandal and Fraud, that's nothing new. And you're not incorrect because Kickstarter is infamous for failed projects, people not delivering or under-delivering or just disappearing. Um, And in this case, it is directly a Kickstarter issue, but it's also not a Kickstarter issue insofar as that it's not someone that started a Kickstarter and said, oh, I need $100,000 and make this wicked cool minis game about something that would be tons of fun and then... <laughs> Gone. That was not a sound effect, people. That was Jack, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> it's, we actually hired a Foley artist, and we've got the <laughs> finest work here at CFRU. Um, but anyway, um, the gamers who got played by Calvin Wan, it began as a way to make group pledges for popular Kickstarter projects, but is now transformed into a fiasco of stolen shipments, empty promises, and police reports. Singapore and Malaysia-based studio, or company, excuse me, Borders Tabletop Game Studio has been the principal Southeast Asian distributor for several major board game Kickstarter projects, including Anachrony and Gloomhaven. Um, Gloomhaven, which is, I'm going to call it friend of the show, even though it has no connection directly to the show outside of the fact that we love it and play it quite frequently, and we've 
We've kind of been slacking on that. We got to get back into them. In recent years, the company had provided a service where it would make group pledges for Kickstarter projects, helping its customers save money on shipping costs. Gamers who took Borders up on this service include Malaysians like Gareth Tan, who had pledged for several projects through Borders to the tune of one thousand, and Daniel Quek, who had bought around two thousand dollars worth of games from them. A lot of bloody money. But alarm bells started ringing for many of Borders' customers a few months ago when the shipping information given by game publishers stopped lining up with Borders' deliveries and dozens of emails and chat messages began going unanswered. In a dramatic update on Kickstarter on March 27th, Petricor publisher Mighty Boards posted, We have some unfortunate news to share on this matter. Borders' Tabletop Cafe received the packages with the games, however they have stopped contact with us immediately after picking the package. We have been trying to reach them through various means, however it seems that it is unlikely we will get to them and we are considering this cargo, along with our down payment for fulfillment, as stolen by Borders Tabletop Cafe. This is quite a tough nut for us. We have lost almost 20,000 US dollars in market value to this event. Uh, so you can go into it from here, but other companies like Roxley, for example, good publisher, the, the upcoming Brass reprint, the kicks, another Kickstarter, super excited to get this. Uh, Brass is Martin Wallace's, arguably, some people will call it his best game. There are a couple up there, a few acres of snow, even though the game is broken, apparently. Um, but the Kickstarter uh, Brass reprint looks incredible. And can't wait for it. Another victim of this uh, publisher. I'm just going to go through the list really quickly. Roll Player, Brass, Moa, Food Chain Magnet, Lords of Hellas, Cerebria, Darkest Night, Cthulhu Wars. Um, I know most of these games here I've played probably... Uh, I think I've only played one of the games on the list. But I know almost all of them. Um, a lot of people have been screwed. And uh, people have the do some detective work on this company and it's unfortunate that uh, scummy companies are out there that have run off with the money uh, but that's the type of and it, it's a shame it's a Kickstarter related thing because it seems like Kickstarter just seems rife with for uh, ripe for scams and people are more than happy to take advantage of it um, so just a shout out to all our Southeast Asian listeners I'm very sorry <laughs> and to any publisher that's been affected by this again I'm deeply sorry because profit margins on these games not huge not everyone's making t hand, money hand over fist on this stuff. There is money to be made, but uh, losing 20 grand on someone ripping you straight off is nothing to smirk at. Um, so thank you, Joel, for that <laughs> happy story. <laughs> yes, Joel. We're nice and depressed now. Thank you. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm depressed. It, it's disappointing. But mm. now, something, Speaking of depression, Kayla, we saw a movie last night. We sure did. That last night being uh, whatever night you want it to be, listener. <laughs> <laughs> Time means nothing to you. Uh, yes. I'll let you talk about it. Describe the movie you saw. What is it? Okay. So the movie And we, avoid spoilers. I will not spoil anything. Good. I mean, I'll try my best, but warning that All I right, may well, screw that up. We'll just see this. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just save ourselves some time. Just in case. I mean, there may not be any spoilers, but if you're worried, don't listen. Uh, no, so, stay listening, please. <laughs> well, I mean, they listened to the first half. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we saw A Quiet Place. Uh, so this is a movie starring Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, uh, the husband and wife duo. He also directed it, Has a writing it. credit on it, yeah. I don't know, produced it, did all the, the set work it's and the costume baby. design yeah. and the makeup, probably. I don't know. <laughs> he, he sewed the costumes. <laughs> this was his Yes, thing. that's what he does. Uh, so, okay, A Quiet Place. I'm sure you've maybe seen a trailer if you've been anywhere lately. Uh, it is 
essentially it is a horror sci-fi movie yeah yeah thriller thriller and it's from the trailer without giving anything away it is something terrible has happened in the world and everyone must be very quiet because if you're loud or you make noise these terrible things are going to hear you and come and kill you i'm pretty sure that's how it works uh so this movie was it was very dramatic very intense i was very scared and like hiding in my sweater for most of the night um (laughs) except this was the worst place so this movie as you may expect from the title is often quiet it's very like either the music is quiet or like it's just you know, people are whispering or using sign language. It's, it's a quiet movie because you're not supposed to make a lot of noise. And we had these people sitting behind us who took the opportunity in every quiet moment, which honestly happened a lot, to whisper. Which, I mean, sure, that's what they're doing in the movie. That doesn't mean that you also have to do it. And it was just really disruptive. Like, it doesn't happen very often where we go to a movie and people are talking. Or it's extremely if, rare. Or if they are, at least you can't hear them because the movie's loud. Or, yeah. you know, people are generally respectful. Like, if they're going to open their candy, they're going to do it at a loud part, not yeah. at a soft, quiet, uh, sentimental moment. And I don't think anyone that I heard opened any candy in this whole movie. Everyone was scared to open candy. It was so intense. It was really intense. Mostly because it's so quiet. Mostly because it's so quiet. That was ruined by the people sitting behind us. And I mean, you, I don't want to be the one that turns around and says, Hey, quiet, because then I'm actually just worse than them. Mm. But I was throwing them some glares, which they did not take. (laughs) That's a Seinfeld bit where it's like the different sort of looks behind you. It's like a different severity, I think. (laughs) Yeah. They just kept getting worse and worse as it kept going. I thought like once, sure. That's fine, but it was a lot. Anyways, it, well, <laughs> back just to the movie. A, I think she was just really nervous. I think she was very scared the entire time, and she just kept talking to her her boyfriend. Or sure, and if I mean, I can feel that. I I find yeah, movies very very stressful. Life. Earlier this week, we watched Life at Home, not in the theater, and I found it very stressful. And I think that I was probably like talking a lot and moving around a lot, but I was also at home. <laughs> In the privacy of my home, where the only person I was bothering was Jack and the cats. So no one was getting upset. I like and- your hand actions. I feel like, is that a my... Did you take that from me? Because I always do that sort of hand. Thing. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it's not really nice for the listener, listener, listeners, uh, to talk about what our hand movements are when they can't Well, it's just it. like lots of flourishes. It's just like, it's perfect. It's just, anyway, sorry. Okay. I'll uh, <clears throat> take a video of it and post it on the Instagram. Flourish. The flourish. flourish. Uh, so I definitely get that from you. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. So what do you, what do you think about the movie? How, okay. wh- uh, so I liked the movie and I, uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. I liked John Krasinski. It's, it's nice to see him in things where he's not being a goof. Yep. It was quite serious. Um, he's rather good looking. So yeah, there he is. hurt. <laughs> Emily Blunt is great. I really like her. And I've never really had a problem with her in anything. Everyone so loves Emily Blunt. She's great. Um, I was telling Jack this last night, but I heard a story where John Krasinski was visiting Emily Blunt in England, which is her native home, and he was going through security, and the border guard was very upset that John Krasinski, this nobody, nothing from the America, had married their Emily Blunt. <laughs> but anyway, she's great, and it was a good movie. I thought it was good. Yeah. And, Jack? And I don't disagree, because... I think my issue is that I walked into this <clears throat> with very, very high expectations because 
Um, the the trailers were very good. The theme is spot on. It, it's unique, and um, the 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 reviews have been extremely positive. the The post gave it five stars, and they put it up there. And all you have to do to trick Jack into seeing a movie is say uh, is it does uh, as great a horror movie as It Follows. And I am if anyone knows me, I love It Follows. I think it's one of the best horror films made in a long, long time. How so many to, times have we seen it, Jack? Uh, I think I've seen it three or four times, which isn't crazy, but how many times have you seen it, Kayla? I think only twice. How, where have you watched it? Well, I've, I've watched it with Aaron once and tried oh, to show okay, it. Oh, okay, that's also true. Anyway, um, so to trick, all you have to do is say that and I'll, I'll go see it. So I saw this, I'm sitting here and thinking, oh, this is great. And it's got a good start. And then um, by the end of the movie, there, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that was fine. It was it was exciting, and it was an entertaining piece of media that was well-crafted. John Krasinski, for, I don't know if it's his first directing uh, gig or what, but he's got a good eye. He, he's not he's not incredible, but he, he's very functional. He's got some good uh, skills behind there and some good editing and everything else. So he did a great job. The acting's great. Um, the kids, uh, f- this is not an easy movie to act in, whether you're professional or not. The kids have to be able to basically show a lot of emotion through their face and their actions. And you can't just uh, scream or um, shout at stuff. You ha- It's all it's pure acting in that sense. And they do a great job uh, almost entirely in this movie. So you can't fault any anyone like that. For me, the problem was it's just not a great horror movie. I, count- I was counting them and it bugged Kayla. But there were about six or because seven. You were counting them out loud. I didn't count them out loud. At one after I heard the them. after the sixth one, I, I shouted six because <laughs> there's six or seven jump scares in this movie. It's an hour and a half long. It is a very lean flick. Jump scares are the laziest scare you can get in a horror film. I'm not saying that the greatest horror films don't have any jump scares, but when you it almost seemed to be relying on them for something you didn't need. And to put in perspective, uh, signs movie uh, M. Night Shyamalan probably one of the last half decent ones he made for a long time um, there were scares in it that were you could argue jumpy but there was none of this sort of thing where it's like it's real quiet and you're looking through something and was bang something someone just bangs on a window next to you that you, you okay you startled me you didn't scare me congratulations I have a pulse I can react to this Whereas there are so many other good parts involving anyone who watches this movie and doesn't think of Home Alone with Daniel Stern walking down some stairs. Um, this is imagine the scene brought to its full conclusion while being hunted by something that will react to the smallest noise you make while you're about to give birth or while you're in labor. And you're giving away a going. lot of the movie now. I really try to avoid spoilers. Well, I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff going on here. So it, it's a good movie. It's just not great. And I think it's it's scary in, in the concept, the idea behind it. But there are a few times in it where I felt actually very scared for them. And, and they show the monster so early, too. That That's one of the biggest mistakes can make in a, in a horror film is to show you what you're supposed to be afraid of when you should keep it as far away from the uh, viewer as possible. Leave it to the imagination. Like, That's why the original Alien works so well. You don't see the alien until yeah. the end of the movie. In this case, you see the monsters almost, I think, within the first ten minutes, if you're paying attention. Uh, I don't know if you see, see the monster, and I don't think that's a big problem. Maybe I'm just not as sophisticated, but <laughs> I I mean, if, if every horror movie kept the monster till the end, 
I mean, that would be unoriginal. You'd be complaining that it's the same as every other movie I don't know if I there. would be saying that. I'd be saying, oh, wow, the monster was really scary for the entire movie until I saw him at the end of the movie. Well, that's you. I think it's, you're also the type of person who doesn't like jump scares. And I was talking to a friend of ours, and I was saying that you uh, you mentioned the jump scares and how you counted them and didn't love them. Yeah. And they, were, they said that they also hate jump scares, but because they're very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so some people are just scared. I find them very scary. I don't have a big problem with them. I didn't. I feel like there are times where it works. There was one time in this movie where I actually thought it was like, Meh, that was unnecessary. But otherwise, I didn't have a big problem with them. There's only one that I thought was unnecessary. Shower. Yes. Yeah, that's the first thing I, I was thought. Like, of oh too. my god, really? <laughs> it's, keep very quiet, I guess. And there's just a couple little things throughout it. Without, I'm not going to go into it too much because it would be revealing tons of spoilers for it. Um, but in general, it is a frightening movie. It, it is good. And the concept is is really spooky. And I think let's compare it to something we watched recently, too, which is, Kayla mentioned, Life, which I, mm-hmm. nobody talks about for some reason. But I think it's unfairly ignored because I haven't felt that stressed watching a movie in a long time. And I think what the premise of Life, for people that don't know, is that there's uh, people on the International Space Station and a probe is coming back from Mars with the first soil samples. And there's some unnecessary drama at the beginning where it's like, oh, no, it's been hit off course. we got to do something wild to stop it. And then they do something wild and stop it. Hey, and it, but that's cool. It was fine. They use the Canada arm. They use the Canada arm. Some, <laughs> whatever. So they get on board. And, of course, what do they do? They start um, growing uh, bacteria samples that turns into an adorable little fungus-type creature. And everyone loves it. And then the next thing you know, they it's... even have school children name him. School children name him Calvin. And the next thing you know, it, it's breaking every bone in a man's hand, and it's jumping inside people's mouths and eating them from the inside. And things disgusting. things go from bad to worse on this space station. And there's an accurate description of the movie is Alien meets Gravity. And I'm fine with that, even though it's not as intelligent as Alien. But it was still extremely frustrating, or not frustrating, frightening. And it's just a sense of claustrophobia, especially in space. And the space station itself, very small place, even though it seemed gigantic in this movie. But... Uh, um, comparing the two it's weird i think i may actually preferred life more than i did a quiet place even though a quiet place is more original but um i thought life was more frightening in general partially because of the claustrophobic um environment and the amount of times i was just watching something just going oh this is bad oh i don't like this at all versus a quiet place from like wow what a pickle <laughs> don't make any noise <laughs> see i think I was thinking about this, and you kind of mentioned it after we got home, and Jack said that we couldn't deal with these monsters because um, (laughs) our cat is too loud because she talks a lot. And I find the idea of having to be very silent very challenging because you don't think – like, you go through your life day to day, and you don't think that you're that loud. But just the things that they had to do, like, you know, they're they're doing various things to make even their footsteps quiet. They're stepping on certain spots. They're – um, you know, remaking Monopoly pieces, even in yeah, that's a very subtle, games. very subtle thing. And uh, I think that having to be that quiet is fascinatingly challenging. Like you're basically fine unless you are are loud. And and the a problem klutz. is that it's a family. Yeah. And I mean, again, this isn't a spoiler. This is in the trailer. It's a family that's involved with young children. And I don't know if you've ever met a young child or even an older <laughs> child, but they're not quiet. So yeah. the whole I- concept of having to like protect your children in this like very scary world, I yeah, think yeah. is 
pretty terrifying. And also, I mean, I get what you're saying about life. I didn't think that was a bad movie either. There. Yeah. He, uh, and it's also too the fact that you, when you're dealing with at least with kids of a certain age, you can hear the rules. All right. You, there and are, even then, they don't listen to them. And even then, somehow they don't listen to you. But it's like, okay, they're kids. I, I guess you can hand wave it away. Um, just mixing the situation, perhaps a mm, shall we say very new child and imagine <laughs> trying to keep a very small human being quiet when there are uh, flesh, mon- flesh hungry monsters roaming around and you can imagine a lot of the tension and again this is in the trailer there's there's <laughs> no serious spoilers here but it, there's a lot of frightening concepts and I think that's what gets me got me the most about the movie is that it, in, in concept there's so many great ideas here but in execution I think I was kind of bothered by a couple things especially maybe the the solution at the end or the resolution and that's like nobody tried this no nobody in there <laughs> spent any time maybe developing some sort of solution similar to this so jack are you taking issue with the five stars that the globe gave it the post, the post and sure, i would so. i i would drop it to three stars that's what i would whoa do. the post gave it five yeah and you put it up there you with it follows you think you're better than the post no i didn't say that chris knight you're i'm a big fan of yours i really like your work on this you're off i'm sorry I'm putting you on notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'll... Uh... <laughs> Chris Knight's on notice. <laughs> right now, the, I, oh my God, the board's lighting up. <laughs> it's Chris Knight on the line <laughs> to defend his review. Of, whatever, it's fine. To each their own. But that's that was my takeaway. But especially having seen life just before this, basically. And I was thinking, You needed a palate cleanser. We should have watched a Disney movie in the middle. Oh my God, sure. Uh, but we did see a trailer for the upcoming... Uh, the Witch was extremely disappointing, speaking of disappointing horror films. But the sequel to The Witch, not the sequel, the next movie from the same director mm-hmm. coming out looks insane. And I don't even I don't even think I want to see it. It looks weird and messed oh, up. Oh, I, and... I got to see it. But it, it looks very interesting. Uh, sometimes movies like that were like, uh, even like m- movies where you're possessed, I find them so really? horrifying. I just think the idea of like... Having no control over your body, very scary. Now, what what scares you about it? Is it the idea that you, are you aware of what's going on and you can't stop it? Or you or the idea of like you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh my God, last night I went and chopped up a bunch of people. I mean, that's kind of oh scary. I mean, it depends. Like, are they beside me? Do I know how to clean this up too? <laughs> I was thinking about, this is something weird about, I don't know about Kale as much, but if you know Jack at all, <laughs> when I watch some things, sometimes just the mess irritates me because like <laughs> in a quiet place when the monsters come through and wreck <laughs> there's this scene involving them coming into where they're kind of hanging out and then they leave and then John Krasinski comes out of his hidey hole and he looks around and the place is a mess and that really upset me because I was thinking that's a lot of work <laughs> I was Especially thinking that too actually yeah, I was like man what are they going to do now <laughs> it's like you Let get the vacuum cleaner <laughs> no, the vacuum cleaner is too loud <laughs> Just get a quiet back. It's definitely not forever. a Dyson. <laughs> not a Dyson. Speaking of Dysons, if you want a vacuum cleaner, it'll break on you. Get a Dyson. Uh, but anyway, that, <laughs> just it's so irritating. The monsters. They didn't get me, but they might as well have. <laughs> Sometimes I find that really challenging too in movies where it's just like, but you just left it. And like, it's just like that. Like, no. You got to fix it. Get Clean it up. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Or I, I find I, this Leaving is totally food? off track at, track at this point, but I always find it very con- concerning to me when people like just like leave, like when they're all they have is their backpack. 
backpack and it has everything they own in it and oh, they yeah. just like leave it somewhere or they put it down to go explore something. I'm like, why? That's the only thing you have in this world. You're why would you it. set it down? You're going to lose it. Always, like, is it that heavy? Oh, that I'm going to put off? my gun down for a second. Just, just hold on to it. It's, come on. It's, I get you want to relax. You've, you've had a, a rough day or two. <laughs> But maybe hold on to the things that are keeping you alive. Uh, anyways, we, this is going into an episode about what we think is weird in movies. Do this, Does our listener want uh, a show about <laughs> things we hate in movies? Well, everyone does, Kelly, okay. because they're amusing and and yes. spot on. Um, so You're we never don't, wrong. Never wrong. Even when I'm wrong, I'm not wrong. The before we go any, we don't have much time left. So I think. Um, so well, I'm going to shill. Uh, a quiet place go see it it's definitely worth a watch and then let me know let definitely, us know definitely worth a watch yeah yeah yeah. there's plenty of crap out there go see a movie that's actually a, a good movie it's it's not a great movie mind you but it's a good movie go see it let us know about it uh or and if you think i'm wrong i'm not but you can try to pretend that i am and uh send us a message on um, the various uh, ways you can 80 radio CFRU I think is our email address or just look us up probably on Instagram it's the easiest way to do it mm-hmm. um, and in the last minute so we'll show A Quiet Place and Life give Life a watch I don't think it's on Netflix it could be on something else um, download it legally That yeah download it legally don't infringe copyright kids and the last one I'm going to show quickly before we run out of time is The Ritual which is on Netflix and which I thought was an extremely um attractive little uh, horror film uh, set in this, supposedly in the Swedish woods, mountains in the... Anyway, very spooky. Great set design, great monster design, uh, interesting premise. You could argue, again, it's not very original, at least in the in the, the broad idea behind it, but the execution and um, and acting and art really brings this to another uh, level. And it's on Netflix. It's free. Go watch it. Everyone's got Netflix. If you don't, um, maybe your parents do or maybe your friends do. Just borrow their their login from them and make use of it because you will not be disappointed. And if you are, again, feel free to harass me. But I'm not wrong. It's a good movie. It's 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 worth your time. In an era where horror movies are so hit and miss and they're either total schlock, like the stuff that... Um, uh, the the insidious people put out, which they're, I don't mean they're bad movies, but they're not great, but there's a lot of them. Um, and then there's stuff like the new Blair Witch, which was one of the worst movies I've seen in a long, long time. Just, you've got to treasure these moments when you find actually good horror. So don't let me, I'm not steering you in the wrong direction, people. I'm on your side. Jaunty drums. Lovely bass line. Boom, 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 bang, bang, bang. Here comes the guitar. It's the end of the show. It sure is. Thank you for listening. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Stay tuned. See if our U933 FM. Keep playing games. Keep watching good movies. Not bad movies. Good movies and good games too. Have fun. <laughs>